Um, oh, you haven't you haven't listened to the last episode yet. I haven't. No, mm. I've had time. Barely have any time to catch up with my own podcasts, uh, like the stuff I write, normally listen to. Is there a world where we can become the new Reply All? I think we have a space to now since Reply All is done, really. No, they're, they're, they've they're released three episodes. Yeah, but are they good? They're the exact same quality as the last ones. It's just different. But, okay, but do you? Here's another question. Let's a separate question. Would you rather twenty nine twenty eight continue on its current pathway, and we go like the underground route, where like people eventually, like eventually, we just have like this steady following, or would you rather like? have spotify money and just like get your payout and just do this every week as our jobs well there's there's obviously a price point that i'm going to say yeah let's do that uh Uh, but if you've learned anything from the past three hours we've been talking um I don't want to be the the marketed prepackaged thing. I'd rather have people find it and claim it as their own and not have it fed to them on the Ed Sullivan show in a nice suit and tie. But we make if let's we say make, we make if, if we if we make this a job, then mm-hmm. I could totally make this a job. I would also want to be in a world where we would be producing other podcasts. Yeah, but let's say we're owned. Let's say let's say we're making $150,000 a year and all we have to do is record once a week. That sounds awesome. Like are we splitting that 150 <laughs> or it's a 150 each? Let's say it's 150 each. Then yes, I'm okay with that. Let's say we're splitting the 150. <laughs> is that a no? For uh, 70 for if 75 each? If we're splitting the 150, I'm keeping my job, but I'll tell my wife about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How are you allowed to just leave for three hours without any questions? She's she not left there for, this weekend. She left for three days. So I'm of going. course she did. <laughs> of course she did. That's why. Thank you for listening to 2928. We are a semi-weekly podcast presented by two friends. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can find us at 2928.digital, which is where you'll find our entire back catalog of episodes. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at 2928.digital at gmail. You can follow us on your preferred socials, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Please tell a friend, and if you enjoy what you hear, take the time to rate and review helps us find new listeners and once again thank you for listening enjoy the show so so this guy jeff who was sort of i mean he's crazy dude he was cataloging our vinyl at wcdb and he wouldn't let anyone touch it it was crazy. He had like a designated section that I could pull from. And he's like, put in, he's like, you put in a bookmark, you pull it. Right. When you're done with it, you it play back. a CD and you put it right back. And I was like, all right. Um, But there was crazy. Oh, man. Fucking crazy albums in there. And none of it was anything ever anyone ever heard and some of it was great and i like to think about this is a very 2928 topic but like i like to think about the idea that maybe there was more quality music back then because the way i think about it is the people who were out trying to make it in music and made an album back then, they 
it wasn't cheap to get studio time to do that. And it wasn't easy to just up and make a fucking LP. So I guess this could go either way. You could argue it either way. But in my mind, I think that, you know, these people, they weren't just like rich people who had access to recording. I I think of it as like more grassrootsy kind of shit. Like, oh, these people had an idea. They played music. They played well. They may have not been like air quotes discovered or whatever. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, well, I think I some- think it's not just it's not people just grassrootsing and finding someone who's laying the wax down and everything. It's I think a lot of that was people trying to find the next Beatle, the next Frank Sinatra, and the A and R community began to be developed where they would go and give many people studio time to allow them to record hoping that they you know hit the billboard top whatever so at a certain point it goes from kind of like pull yourself up by the bootstraps and record it yourself to being present when people are just throwing money out to try to find the big next thing. Mm -hmm. And I think you would have to obviously actually see numbers and stuff, but it's more, we're in a place now where it's more accessible to do it yourself, but that also means that there's more people doing it. So it's harder to separate the chaff from the wheat, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas back then, there were probably a lot of people who wanted to do it, fewer people who could do it, and less of a window for you to become a success because there's, you know, three TV stations and FM radio. And that's the right. only way that you can actually get people's attention on it. Right. Now, yeah, totally. now it's just like stumbling and thinking I found something new on YouTube and realizing that it's 60 years old and there are six comments in the YouTube things, but it's like comments from people who are like, I saw these guys in Daytona. <laughs> like, <laughs> Isn't it great that I texted the only guy that I knew that like had the chance of having that record and he was like, totally, I have that record. Right? Yeah. It was, that was funny. I mean, it's the accessibility and the ability to do things at this point is completely drowned out by the overabundance and, uh, too many options, the cacophony of options. If I can get fucking highfalutin here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go for it. So they get drowned out by. You know, whatever the sleepy rapper is on on Spotify that week. (laughs) Right. And maybe the sleepy rapper on Spotify is going to be as monumental as, you know, the bands that we regard as untouchable. Like, are the Beatles really good? Are they actually good? Yeah. Or is it just a... Uh, 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 untouchable kind of mythology that we built around them. No, they were good. And, and I mean, this is, so I've gotten, are the, so but in, are they, because I see those videos of like the teenage girls losing their fucking minds in the stands to watching them like play help or whatever like that. And it's mind like, we just didn't have a lot of other options for music, right? White white people in general were just like, oh, this is the the best music in the world. But they there's plenty that they weren't listening. Like how it it was how? new. I mean the, the the Beatles are a signature sound because of a lot of things all coming together. Okay. All at once. You have Obviously, the need for a new sound, okay? And 
the Beatles were listening to Chuck Berry, right? The Beatles were listening to to the stuff from the 50s and they were playing covers. If you listen to those early, early Beatles tapes, they're all just, everything's a fucking cover of like the, what was going on in Liverpool and going on in England was all of this. And this is a super like bare bones explanation of this, but basically all of these guitarists that would be famous, all of them, I mean, Clapton, Page, Peter Green, all these guys were listening to American music from like, I how the fuck they got their hands on this music, I have no idea, but like this sort of 40s, 50s, like... Rhythm and blues. Black rhythm and blues. R&B. Yeah. But it was, that was new to them. They took that music and they made it, a period. new. <laughs> but they made something new with it. They did. They took it, period. And they, 100% they took it, period. And there are plenty of songs that demonstrate that. But then think about like. Right. But you were saying that they played covers to begin with. Totally. And they, and they were interested in music. So they get signed to a record contract. The record producers have a whole back catalog of music that may not be that well known or accessible. They now have access to those. They know they have, like, the record producers maybe don't play music, but they have an ear for music. They're like, you know what? I always like this Muddy Waters song, but I feel like we can sell it better if it's coming out of Ringo Starr's face because he's white. So it's not okay, like yeah, it's not like they, they randomly found it. It's like they they found the music, they recorded the music, but then they packaged it into a uh, a more uh, you know American pleasing view. Okay, you're doing the thing where you are you're you already explained yourself that you th- that you think that everything is a prepackaged, like there's nothing now. Well, no, no, I, I, I was trying to, th- I was thinking my way out of how did they get yeah. access to the more obscure music, which they ultimately stole, like, like Led Zeppelin. How did they hear the fucking lemon song and steal that and package that? They, it's, it's not a long walk to think that some producer, A and R rep from whatever it was, the, before they were Zoso records, they were, you know, Columbia or whatever, had those because they were in the music scene and they were recording shit. No, the, okay, I see what you're saying. And I'm gonna I'm gonna defend I'll defend Jimmy Page and Peter Green because they were getting records that were thrown away. They were getting like my dad has this story when he was a kid about finding a box of forties and bringing them home and playing the forties. And it is exactly that story, right? I don't think it's because they had learned the music, but well before like how they became incredible musicians is because they were playing this stuff by ear with their record players at home. I'm not, they I'm not saying they are incredible. Like you can be an incredible musician, but like not be able to make good music. Like, I mean, they, who's getting writing credits for these songs and everything like that. It's not the people who wrote them and recorded them. It's the people who were able to market them so that it became bigger under them. It's the same shit that like, I, I don't know. You're on TikTok, but I I read about TikTok and how it obscures like, you know, black TikTokers. I don't know what the delineation of a successful TikToker is, but it's apparent that the same model that was done for musical artists in the past four years is being applied in the TikTok sphere. Yeah, I would say I would say definitely. And I and I mean, we talked about that a couple episodes ago. We touched on it a couple episodes ago, but um, I, I never said we wouldn't repeat content. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like, like um, if you're you said the lemon song, I'm thinking since I've been loving you. Um, so, like, I guess listen to since I've been loving you. But that is like a just a standard blues. That's him taking. That's Robert Plant taking like 
a song that's just riffing you know like you're just making that shit up i it might even be this is the other thing that's fucking crazy because i've never looked it up that might actually be a song from the fucking 40s probably is but like everything everything that's old is new right and this is just like a thing that happens throughout existence especially with art and artists and you know but let's just get back to the beatles for just a second and i just want to say like in in a couple ways early on they were probably like overblown but only in the sense that like the same similar that similar sensation that like we grew up with like girls falling over hansen right which is completely bonkers to me too because hansen did not withstand the test of time it's like i like the beatles i i really like a lot of their songs a lot of their albums and whatnot I'll never turn them off the radio, depending on what the song is. But if the Beatles didn't exist and they dropped an album, a single out right now, would anybody care? No, I think it was the timing was everything with needing new music, needing music that sounded like they sounded. And there's... There are so many like little details that make the structure, right? Is there is There's, there a, is there a Beatles song that you can point to that be like this could be a number one single out of the blue right now without yesterday. having without having the Beatles have been a, a an actual band in the past. Paul McCartney's Yesterday is a number one single every single time you drop it any day, any decade, forever. It's a number one song. It's really? a ridiculous song. Okay. There are there are a handful of them too from the Beatles. Hey Jude. Um, a lot I'm, of them are. I'm Paul not just talking. I'm, I'm not just talking about like his their num- their actual number one songs. I'm talking about out of their discography. Yeah. If if a song was released today, would anybody care, or would it just burn out in obscurity and be covered up by the fucking ice bucket challenge or something? They were such a big deal at the time that their number one songs are number one songs because they're fucking that good. But they the, they were that good. Like now technology has changed, taste has changed, fucking mm-hmm. the soundscape has completely been altered. Do Beatles songs on their own not being tied to the mythology of Beatles like it's like it's like trying to show Star Wars to someone who was born in 2000. Uh-huh. They don't hold up. Nobody cares. And I've, I've come to this realization over the past 20 years or so. It's like, they're important to me because it was formative to me. The Beatles, so are, music- the, the Beatles are important to us because it was formative to our parents and all the people who were creating media as we grew up, it was formative to them. So it got, you know, it was omnipresent. Think about the idea of sampling now and think about the idea of um, just um, this is just an example. But this is this is a thing that happens in music. Um, Sometimes a song is so good in its original state and sometimes um, oftentimes in music, the original artist doesn't really even get credit even if they're white like that that that's that's regardless of the you know um steve goodman comes to mind who i'm guessing you've never heard of i'm guessing the majority of people in the world have never heard of um because arlo guthrie made the city of new orleans song actually a number one hit you know, not Steve Goodman, who wrote the song, right? And if you listen to, like, the original versions of these songs, I think maybe sometimes you'll, like, the first time you hear it, you're like, what the fuck is that? But it's because, and I'm now I'm trying to pull what you're talking about, the nostalgia piece, and me as, like, a musical person, musician, whatever you want to call me, I find that time and time again... I'll listen to the original version of a song 
And that's now my favorite version of it because it feels there's some, um, there's some je ne sais quoi to an original version of a song that is, there's just some beauty there that is, that doesn't translate when you have someone cover a song. Um, even if the cover is done very well, there is some, it's not because I know it's the original version, but there's like, like the steep, like the, the city of new Orleans song. The reason why that is an example that stands out to me is because I heard that song and thought, wow, this is an, an incredible cover. And I didn't, realize until I fucking looked it up that it was the original. And this is 10, 15 years ago I heard this song for the first time by Steve Goodman. And I was just like, so it blew my mind because it was so good. Right? And it was so good because in my mind I can't think of many times in music that I can think of examples of songs where a um a cover is better than the original you know with a little help from my friends by joe cocker is actually arguably a better version and it's cr- um, and, actually, that, and that's the song that he's known for it's insane it is insane um but that that cover is amazing i'm gonna go ahead and say that's better than the ringo version of that song no i mean yeah but, I, think, I think everyone's on board for that it's like um all, all along the watchtower with Jimi Hendrix, you know, it's there's versions exactly. that are played. That being said, Bob Dylan still got paid for all along the watchtower. You know, I'm not trying. Yeah. Like, and I feel like I, I, I mistakenly, not mistakenly, but I randomly conflated the issue of artist rights and, you know, appropriation in music with my question of, uh, does it hold up now, you know, or is it just nostalgia? It's like, it's, it's great that you heard city of New Orleans 15 years ago and it was written in, you know, 1950 or whatever like that. And you liked it, but that doesn't make it, you know, in the context of the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, like that doesn't make it like, a pop song. It doesn't make it a mega hit that like it was treated treated like that was the only music that existed for 10 years, you know? Yeah, no, totally. This is what I'm, I'm trying to pull on this little, this little bit because the cover song might indicate to you the quality of a song and the song itself. This is the point that I was driving at that I didn't make. When you think about a cover, right, or you think about a sample, um, Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, incredibly highly covered, sampled, etc., just throughout the history of music from the point it came out in, I don't know, 71 or something like that on, right? Just uh, like people pull from that album constantly. Right. There's something about the writing of a song where the song itself can hold up regardless of who's singing it. You know, as long as the musician's a good musician and the song is arranged well and yada, 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 do all of your due diligence to make sure the song is good. There is something about writing a good song which is in its own it's its own thing right and that is what actually is the underlying thing that makes the Beatles great they play all these covers they're playing other people's tunes meanwhile they're penning their own tunes and they're trying to find themselves you know, amidst all this just chaos and fandom and all of that stuff. And it almost doesn't matter if 
they were pushed into that spotlight in America in whatever year it was, 63. You know, a lot of it is, yeah, right time, right place, the right kind of style. It was electric guitar. It was, you know, using, it was using American-made instruments like Rickenbacker and, you know, it had a sig. There was a signature sound that created this thing, and what ended up happening was this. You know, they were teenagers, right? Originally, when they put the band together, they didn't have Ringo, but the three of them were teenagers without Ringo, and Ringo came later. What's interesting is they had this one detail. Right, and this is what makes a band great. This is what makes Led Zeppelin great. They have chemistry, and they play amazing together live. And that you hear that in a record, right? Even though the record might be, um, you know, made in parts and all that stuff, the Beatles have all this other great shit happening for them too which is Abbey Road Studios had a total epic genius doing everything behind the curtain. They also had George Martin, who was a total genius doing everything behind the curtain. But this happened a little bit later, you know. So to make the Beatles what they were, it took way more than just the four of them but the four of them, and specifically John and Paul together, that relationship, when they were writing songs together, that's what makes the Beatles the Beatles. You know, I can't, your question was good before when you were asking, like, what song would be a hit if it dropped today? And I, I'll, give me a rain check on that because there has to be an answer of because one that wasn't a number one hit. I can, there has to be something. You're, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, like, obviously, all those components go into making something, making an album, making a, a sound, and the X factor of it striking at just the right time with just the right people and just the right song to catch on is very important. Does that timing exist in a in a point in time now where we have access to listen to literally anything that anyone's ever recorded? or is recording do they drop a song and it just gets you know scrolled right by like does it just go into obscurity is it up against the fact that they were recording you know a maximum of 12 tracks of audio and now they have a maximum of like 236 tracks of audio or whatever the hell it is you know does oh you don't even want to know how little they had to work with but yeah right. Um, I mean, no, I mean, I, I can assume yeah. a certain a certain scope. I probably gave it a little too much credit, but like the restrictions that they were recording under versus the ability to basically generate any song you ever wanted to and make your voice sound any way it is now. Would that would that sincerity and that like actual that that actual proof of sound prove out? to the synthesized world that we've come to know and love in music is there is there anyone answer, who, is there anyone who's playing that level of music not not saying like height of music i'm saying like that production level of music right now that is reaching the same peaks that the beatles were no and I don't, I think you're right in thinking that it could never happen again the way it did. And I think you're right in thinking that, like, let's say you plug the Beatles, um, let's say you have a 70s version of, of the Beatles. They didn't show up in 64, they show up in 74. But you have a 74 version of the Beatles that are playing like 1974 versions of the Beatles. They still would have been a great band. They would not been a, would they would not have been the sensation that they were. Right. Um, and it and it also would have been interesting to see who fills did that all gap. The, did all well who yeah i mean cuz who did all the they there's so many firsts the beatles do so many firsts right it, it's it's ridiculous like um like uh you know the song taxman right yeah 
you know, the guitar solo, right? Okay. That guitar solo, they took that guitar solo, they played it backwards, and that was the guitar solo that they used in the last track, which is Tomorrow Never Knows, right? Like someone who did that, who decided to do that in the studio was like a total weirdo genius. Right. And there are all these stories of John Lennon being um, hard to work with because he was a self-conscious, he was self-conscious about his own voice. Um, George Martin had this signature way that he would record and make sure John Lennon's voice was, was um, on an album. I think it's super cool to listen to the old Beatles recordings or at least listen to um, like when we were younger, they put out the anthology with all of these like outtakes and stuff like that. And those are such gems, even if they're shitty, like half versions of songs um, or with like people fucking up verses or like people laughing they're cool because you get to hear this unique timbre of John Lennon as a solo track. Right. Whereas every, every time you hear him on a recorded album, it's him dubbed over himself with a slight delay with like this, this like microscopic, like almost intangible delay so that his voice sounded thicker and he loved it. He thought it was the coolest thing that they had Go on. No, I mean, this is like all these like details of like the recording stuff at Abbey Road. Right. So had an engineer to do all of this shit that was no one was ever doing. And just for reference, um, a 16 track didn't come out until like think of um, uh, like the mid set, like the early 70s, maybe think about um, uh, Queen's A Night at the Opera album is 73. 372 something like that um that has they finally get to 16 track there and so you can have like um something like bohemian rhapsody um so exist at all that's in you know in conjunction to my my original question of like would it matter now it's possible because if we take it out of that timeline then we've taken all of the work that they had done in those engineering sessions for that, you know, 10 year span where they were producing music and it sets the timeline back that many years potentially. So they were, I think figuring all that out. So music would be completely different now as well, because everything since then has been affected from there. Oh, everything would be different. Jimi Hendrix might still be alive that different. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, that's a that's a crazy fucking butterfly effect there. I don't know. I don't know, dude. Um, you can't you can't think of any music post nineteen sixty three without thinking about the Beatles because you see the Beatles in everything. You hear the Beatles in everything. Their original. I didn't even talk about like their signature thing really, which is just like these like cheeky like boy harmonies right well, but yeah but this, also think of like so they were the first boy like boy band sensation really like the the yeah. mega the mega group yep so when you're a company that's making money off of these people and they're like we should try to do this then you're going to throw money out to try to figure that out which is then generating technology which is then propelling us to where we are now. Most of the time when I talk on this, I'm just thinking shit out loud. So that's this is that's just so you can follow along with me understanding things as I pick them up. Yeah. I I was thinking about an example before. Um like cuz you said you were you were trying to allude to like you probably just said it but like you're saying like what what makes the beatles so big like why are they the the like the powerhouse of the time you know and i was thinking like why isn't it 
why isn't it another band? Like, why isn't it the Yardbirds? Why isn't it the Animals, right? Why isn't it the bands that were contemporary with the Beatles? Right. Like, what makes them so special? And really, it's all the things I've talked about. It's unbelievable songwriting, unbelievable technology that they had basically before anyone else. Um, unbelievable, just like, just an unbelievable amount of work that goes into creating what they created. And then, yeah. I mean, wasn't their introduction, their meet the Beatles and their introduction to America and Ed Sullivan and all that shit. Like they were not completely out of the mainstream in appearance. Like they were presented in their suits, playing their, their big guitars with, you know, shaggy hair, but not super long hair. The Yardbirds and the Stones and everyone were more of like a mod aesthetic, weren't they? Like, like it might have been a little too out of the mainstream for people in, uh, you know, fucking Wisconsin to let their kids buy the albums. So once they, once they get a, a stronghold, a foothold in all of suburban America, then they start doing their freaky deaky shit. Right. So weird. Because the Yardbirds were a bit more like hippie-ish, weren't they? Like they were right off the bat kind of long-haired, facial-haired type shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, they... they, There were a couple of guys with longer hair. They they had the Beatles vibe going on, but I think one of the guys had like longer hair. Jeff Beck. Um, Yeah, Jeff Beck. See, that's the thing is like there are all of these just. There was such a whatever culture existed in in or around London. And that's the other thing about the Beatles. They're from fucking Liverpool. They're not even from like a normal part of England. They're from of like they're from like the the ass of England. Right. Yeah, but I mean, now in that day, is it because of that that we don't think that's so strange now when someone comes from fucking Dunes for Ohio or whatever? Like, I mean, it's like people become famous from anywhere now. Yeah, totally. But the thing about like you would expect the culture to come out of London, right? As I mean, at least I would. This is just this is just me thinking. Well, weren't yeah, they getting weren't they getting the culture from London? They were just just had to travel. It's yeah, like the, the equivalent of someone going from like New Jersey to to New York and being exposed to CBGBs or something like that. It's they didn't live in a bubble. I mean, they they were they were able to access the radio stations or the venues of London if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, no, the the you're right. The Yardbirds did like more. They were like it was a total different genre really. But I I I and this is the whole thing about being a cynic and stuff is like I see that and it's were they just were they that good or were they just marketed to us as as that important? I know in our in our day and age they were marketed to us that important. Like the only reason all those songs in the '90s became number one singles again is because our parents wanted to buy the discography on 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 compact disc rather than the vinyl that they used to have. I wasn't going out and buying the Beatles albums right away. I I listened to them because my parents had the album. Right. I mean, yeah. But all of those, I feel like all of that music still, it held up for us at least alongside, like I listened to this music alongside, I listened to Pink Floyd and I listened to No Doubt. I listened to like all of this, you know what I mean? I listened to Bush's 16 Stone album at the same time that I was, you know, first hearing whatever, you know, um, Elton John's Captain Fantastic or something. And it's like, there was there was a, there's a lot of good music that comes from that era and there's a lot of good music because maybe because of how prolific they all were 
you know they churned out album after album after album the thing that's also interesting about the beatles is that there aren't a ton of duds like they wrote so many hundreds of songs and like even 40 years later someone's like oh they found this old version of like whatever it is. What was, I don't remember the big uh, hoopla over um, Hey Bulldog as a song because I had never heard it, but it's so good. And it's like, it's so funny to like discover a Beatles song that was, you know, recorded at the time and like, of the era and it's like you're not hearing it you have never heard it you've heard like all of the beatles but you've never heard this one song and to hear that like it's such a relic because it fits in so well with the era you know yeah um but like i think of that song like hey bulldog and yeah man i mean i could talk about music forever but there's there's just there's just something there's something very unique about even all the different albums. As soon as you get out of this, like that middle area of like, they were doing all of their like experimental stuff. I feel like I've also said this before too, which is they had their like Indian influence stuff and they were, you know, like George Harrison was like playing the sitar and shit and like growing up. And as a kid, I hated that. I did not like, any of those sitar songs as an adult they're like the songs i go to first because there's such a different vibe and feel to them the george harrison songs and maybe that's another thing that makes them unique is that like there i can't think of too many groups there are a handful but like there aren't too many groups um pink floyd's another great example of this but like each musician had the ability to write their own songs and produce their own songs as the group. George Harrison has songs that are like, you know, and and I don't know if you like think about this really when you're thinking about like when you're listening to a Beatles album, but like I can tell you who's singing in any Beatles song. Right. And even the early ones are kind of hard sometimes. But they all have their own signature and it's the collection that makes them it's them singing harmonies over other like I didn't write this song, but my bandmate wrote this song, but I'm going to sing a harmony to it because that's the cohesion that we need to make this a Beatles song and take it from being just a George Harrison song and making it a Beatles track. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So there's, there's these, there are these details that I guess this comes back down to chemistry, which is like you play good as a group, you can play live as a group and there's something about, there's also something about the idea that like, they just toured on their albums and never fucking went back. They didn't like go out and play shows the way like Pearl Jam plays shows. Like Pearl Jam has played even flow a hundred thousand times. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing too, is like they were able to, to leave before becoming clowns in the public eye. You know, it's like, the Rolling Stones are still trotting out on stage and the Rolling yeah. Stones. I love the Rolling Stones, but it's, it's at the point now where it's like, you know, you're, you watch journey and foreigner tour together for the 30th year and people just rolling their bones out at, at fucking County fairs. It's, it taints the, the memory when they don't give us a chance to remember them, you know? Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's good to fade away because it builds the, it's like fucking Willy Wonka. You know, he shut the doors to his factory for however long and everybody in the town was talking about Willy Wonka, you know? Yep. It, you got to give us a chance to miss, miss you. 
Yeah. Yep. So that we can become nostalgic for it. Yep. What's amazing about that too, and you talk about like, you know, like that initial question, which is like, are the Beatles really that good? Literally all four of them individually have hit songs that I probably would be pissed like if we didn't have. You mean individually, like individual careers? Individual, yeah, individual careers. Yes, like, but, John- but here, here's the fucking Inception dream within a dream within a dream here. But yeah. what if the Beatles never existed? Would any of the individual people have a successful music career? Would anybody care if they weren't John Lennon from the Beatles has an album out? Yeah, like Paul McCartney's the only one that would have been a musician. Like Paul McCartney is like the Dave Grohl of that band, like like this not sad, but like in a in a not sad way, it's literally the only thing he could have ever done with his life. Like he's just just that kind of musician. Like Wings was an incredible band. Wings has fucking so many hits. Like I was listening to this is the other thing that's sort of weird. You know, like, yeah, Paul McCartney should probably stop making music already. But like, well, that's the thing, too, is he's outliving his legend right now. He shows up on satellite radio shows and drops new music. And it's like his relevance is dwindling with new music. So you're not giving people he's he didn't learn from from the lesson. But he's still so he's still so lovable. That's the thing. Is is he lovable or insufferable? Oh no, I think Paul, I think Paul McCartney is like a very lovable kind of guy. I think like he still like has this like innocence and stuff like that. Like they did the I saw a YouTube thing with Paul McCartney and James Corden. Did I get that guy's name right? The talk show host? Yeah, the like the 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 chubby guy. Sounds right. Yeah. So they like do the oh he does the like car karaoke thing or whatever yeah but so they do like their stupid bullshit car karaoke thing but like james corden like they do it in liverpool right and paul mccartney's just like that's where my mom would wait at the bus stop and like shit like that and it's that kind of stuff is nobody like want nobody wants hilarious that from a rock star nobody wants that from a rock star that's you're driving your grandparents around and they're like, oh, I used to wait for the bus here. Who cares? Gramps. I love that kind of shit. I, I love that. I think that's hilarious. Uh, you know. We could do 10 episodes on just talking about music, but I'd rather pepper it across 30 and really pad our discography. <laughs> <laughs> I see what I see what you're saying. We just we're we're this is why this works, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I mean, it, and this, this is this is a thought exercise that I I normally do too. That's just kind of tied in the same world. Is you know, like we had talked about how the Beatles had their work in the studio for ten years, developed where we are now, listening to music. Is there any music pop music pop one hundred music right now that we could drop back in the '60s that people would would gel with? Or would it immediately be turned off or protested or something? All right. And this is you, you are, this is, you segued me into this perfectly. I don't know how you did this. I don't know how you did this. Have you heard of this band that everyone's fucking talking about that sounds, I'll I'll say this first. The band is called Greta Van Fleet, and they're from Michigan or something. Yeah, Have you Gre- heard yes. of them? Yeah, and there was a whole thing last year about them basically just biting on Led Zeppelin's sound. And there are lots of people who are Led Zeppelin fans and Greta Van Fleet fans. And I haven't listened to them on purpose. I have not listened to Greta Van Fleet because... I want to hear more like there was I heard a bit like a chunk of something 
And I literally thought it was Led Zeppelin. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I've never heard this song before. And then when someone said it was Greta Van Fleet, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And now I'm going to do the frequency illusion thing. And I'm going to turn my brain on to hearing Greta Van Fleet. So in short, to answer your question, yeah, probably Greta Van Fleet could just be literally dropped into 1967 because they are Led Zeppelin for 2021. Wait, but would you have would you have to drop it before Led Zeppelin and hope that they hit the same the same chords that Zeppelin hit, or could you drop it while Led Zeppelin was coming up and and hope that people aren't like they're just ripping Led Zeppelin off? The world has no room in the in the 60s and 70s the world has no room for two of the same band. Everyone has to do something unique. Like there's no there are no I, I suppose the the way I could like do a test on myself here would be like trying to think about whether or not I always confuse two bands, but I don't think I do. It's not like a situation where I'm like, oh, I always think that's Elton John, but it's not. There's, that's not a thing. There are some bands that have been out. I think there's two bands that I've heard in the past year when, I, when I'm driving with my wife and she's listening to you know Top 100 and stuff that they – like I listen to it and I'm like, is this a new Modest Mouse album? Like it's, it's really weird. But that is because those people making music now grew up with Modest Mouse. That's also really weird. Uh, this a lot of this this <laughs> time travel, you know, reinsert into the timeline thinking came from uh, we were driving around and I heard uh, Snoop's "Drop It Like It's Hot" come on, which is not you know one of his best songs, but it's one of his more recent songs. And I had I had asked my wife, I was like, do you think you could take this song, go back in time, play it for young Snoop Dogg, like 1992 Snoop Dogg? Do you think he would like this song? <laughs> no, he'd hate it. And I I misstepped and I was like, and travel back 30 years. And like, because I thought the song was from like 2016. It was from 2006. Right. So it was a, it was like. 10 years removed from uh, doggy style. But even still, if you took drop it, drop it like it's hot and presented it to young Snoop Doggy Dog, would young yep. Snoop Doggy Dog listen to the whole thing? Would he like it? Because no, he, he would have been pissed. You don't like not telling him that, that it's him just playing it for him, letting him hear how it's arranged. The, the whatever synthesizer shit that's in there, the boo. Do you think he would like any of that? Because uh, he, wrote, he he wrote the song ten years later, so maybe that was in his head, and he just wasn't able to produce it in nineteen ninety six. But then the technology changed after nine eleven. Never forget, and <laughs> and he was able to take what was in his head and actually make it. All right, now you're you're convincing me that maybe I'm wrong. My initial reaction was no, because like, <laughs> there there's there's two different versions of like, ugh, yeah, maybe maybe he hears it and he's like, that shit's hot, you know, like, but maybe it's like the the Back to the Future, like you guys aren't ready for this yet, right? Um, I don't know, yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's only a 10-year gap, and it's the same musical artist. You know, it's crazy. Right, where uh, The Chronic and 2001 do have, like, there's there's throughput, right, even though those are pretty far apart. And, yeah... I don't know. This is this is that's a bit of a mind fuck because it's like you're trying to play with time travel rules as well, and you're trying to like set up what the proper time travel rules are for yourself. It's like, does he know in his mind 
that he's hearing the track and does he just think it's even like like you like you said you don't know he doesn't know it's him self but i can also see i can i can see a world where snoop dogg would hear that track in like whatever 1991 and be like this shit's hot you know like i could totally see that but you know snoop dogg might be a tough uh a tough i'm also making him not stoned in my mind because i feel like that would cloud the uh the event um and i don't think i've ever seen snoop dogg not stoned it's crazy his his trajectory from what was going on in the early 90s to being on primetime tv on tbs and with martha stewart and being the face of corona it's that's that's i don't know if that's a testament to progress but it's definitely a testament to change i don't know anything you're talking about with martha stewart but he has a cooking show with martha stewart since when they're best friends she's what do you what do you mean He's been on he he was on Twitter talking to I think it was a Takashi 69 or whatever like that 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 Spotify guy who uh who narked out a bunch of people. Okay. He he tweeted at him that Martha Stewart didn't turn anyone over when she went to prison. She stood up like an OG. So <laughs> they're they're in it together. Wow. Wow. Um, did 6ix9ine go to prison? I mean, he was doing something with underage girls, so hopefully. Oh, God. Okay. Um, can, you rem- can you remember any of the bands that you heard recently that, like, basically, it's like the new version of Isaac Brock singing? <laughs> Oh man, I'll know it when I hear it. I know because um, I heard one too, and I was like, "Oh, this is that's Isaac Brock," and it's like it's just not. It's just a new band. I'm googling "Modest Mouse" sound alike right now. Oh, that's good. Well, there's a big list. Yeah, but I mean, I think a lot of that was probably of the same year. Like, there's probably yeah, gonna be like the all this stuff is old. Yeah. I I'll, when I see it next time I'll 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 take note of it. Yeah, but every time it comes on, I'm like, this is this is really modest mousy. Yeah, I mean, but think about how you know, think about how mainstream by '04, right? You get float on. That album was huge good news for people who like bad news i had had i had only started listening to them with the moon in antarctica i was listening to them in high school but i had only i felt like i discovered them late because they already had out a ton of fucking albums. There was already like the Lonesome Crowded West and um So then like what it. is the appropriate time when can you release an album that sounds like your your inspirations and not be accused of cribbing their style versus like Versus when can it exist and just be the sound of that time? Because all the bands that surrounded Modest Mouse at that time, they didn't sound identical, but they all had a very, like same with like the Strokes and everything a few years before them. All the bands that came out around the Strokes all sounded like the Strokes. I thought they were feeding us, you know? Mm-hmm. But then you have this band, which comes out, you know, not doesn't necessarily come out, but starts playing on the radio. 15 years after Modest Mouse was at their peak. And then you have Greta Van Fleet, which comes out 50 years after Led Zeppelin was really relevant. Is it just a matter of who's getting uh, uh, mad at it 
and not everyone cares? Or is it like, what's the, what's that time frame where it's like, you just sound like your time versus you're ripping off sound that doesn't really play anymore. There's like so many ways to answer this, but like you can think about, you can think about like the Pearl Jam guitarist, right? And I think maybe like a a good argument of like why Pearl Jam became like a following was because it's like a, it's like a, Think about like the Grateful Dead and then like fish replaces the Grateful Dead. But like, you know, you're always going to have like a huge, heavy, crazy jam band. And that's like a that's just like a thing that we do. And then like and and so there's like that whole through line. I don't think there's a replacement for fish because fish is still doing their thing. Right. So there's that. Can you imagine what the fish replacement band is going to be? No, I don't know. Don't do oh that to me. Oh my god. No, it's forever we're going to have forever. Anyway, um I don't like jam bands. So <laughs> Sorry. So but think about like Pearl Jam sound is defined by the guitarist. The guitarist is influenced by... Pearl Jam sound is defined by Eddie Vedder's voice, man. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But hold on. The music itself is defined by the guitarist's love for basically two people. Okay? And it is Jimi Hendrix and uh, Jimmy Page. So a combi- it's a fusion of those two guitarists into that's why you have something like like you can play Yellow Leadbetter, okay? Yellow Leadbetter is The Wind Cries Mary. It's the same song, right? This is what you're talking about. You're talking about when is it a ripoff and when is it a tribute, right? Or when is it inspired by? When is it inspired by? When when do you sound too much like the people you're who inspire you? Or and a lot of that stuff is like there's so I have so many examples of like how this works in music, but like a lot of times people just throw shit at the fan and see if it works for music and see if they jive with it and see if it sounds good and see if it ends up sounding good see if people listen to it see if people dance see if people stand up etc you just you just described fish you just described jam bands that's (laughs) that's the unedited extended music creation experience (laughs) but also also uh, jazz i probably too you just play for 20 minutes and kind of see when you guys get sunk up Jazz is its own entire thing. They say do one to others as you would have them do unto you They say do unto others As you would have them do unto you If you treat me dirty, baby I'm gonna treat you dirty too If you love life you live And you're satisfied If you love life you live and you're satisfied May it be fast or slow Leave it till you die
If you go out ballin', come in about the break of day. If you go out ballin', come in about the break of day. Just staggering man, forget what the neighbors say.